Um, well, good day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Drones for Good podcast, uh, season three. As you know, my name's Andrew Crow from Mirrigan Unmanned Systems, and today I'm excited uh, to have our second episode of season three uh, with Senthil Kumar from Urban Utilities. Morning, Senthil. How are you? Good morning. I'm mate. Good, thank you. How are you? I'm awesome. Hey, um, firstly, thanks for coming in. I know you've got a, a quite a hectic job, and, and it's quite busy, and, and we really appreciate you coming in to have a chat this morning. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so firstly, Senthil, you're the innovation leader uh, for Urban Utilities, and we're going to yep. get into um, what that is and, and how that works and, and what you do and what are the things you're doing. But mm-hmm. um, I'm really interested first up in your background. Um, oh, yeah. Would gotcha. you mind um, giving our <laughs> listeners a bit of an, of an understanding? The reason I ask is we have some really interesting people on our podcast all the time, and um, it, it's becoming very apparent that these people all come from such different backgrounds and diverse backgrounds, and mm-hmm. no one's the same and everyone's different. And um, you know, it's, it's a really interesting point to get across. So um, start as far back as you like, but uh, but yeah, sure. why don't you give us a, a quick little thing on your background? Um, <laughs> um, I'm actually basically from India, okay, um, south southern part of India, and uh, did my engineering um, with uh, civil and structural engineering. Okay, I came here to do my masters. Um, again, I'm from a com- uh, family who has um, um, a lot of engineers in my family. Okay, um, a bit of pressure I, there to yeah, get into pressure. engineering. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. Coming back to coming to Australia, so I came here to do my master's in engineering. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's in um, environmental engineering and project management at UTS Sydney. Okay. Um, did my engineering there. I'm always actually passionate about and interested in building. Again, that's the family uh, roots coming in yeah. that place. Um, construction and uh, innovation, and also about um, knowing. I also wanted to compare how technologies, um, how industries, construction industries actually work, and how does utilities actually work and compared to um, Australia and India. Okay. So knowing both these things and I can see how blessed we are having living in a, such a really nice country mm. and having everything um, very much set properly for us. Um, being such a young country, we can always actually make it straight. Mm-hmm. And uh, but older countries, you can't actually, you can't actually go and dig a trench immediately on the roads are not straight. It's so... Um, I'm le- learning, still learning every day. Okay. So being here, I actually joined. Uh, um, I've, in my past, I've worked on a lot of mining uh, companies. Okay. Yep. Um, one of my um, key projects, which I worked on, was uh, the SEQ Southeast Queensland Water Grid project, the nine billion dollar project, two thousand six to twelve. And what was that doing? Was that updating the, the no, water? No, actually re- laying new pipelines, reverse okay. pipelines, um, from uh, Molendana. So there's. A few pipelines. One is Southern Water, um, Southern Regional Water Pipeline, um, and then Eastern uh, Pipeline Interconnector, mm-hmm. and then also Western Corridor. That's a recycled pipeline, and then Northern Pipeline Interconnector and the Northern Network Alliance. So all these pipelines. I was the last man standing. Right. Finished this project. Okay. Um, and signed off. And then uh, at that time it was LinkedIn, and then we passed it on to the operators, which is mm-hmm. currently now with SEQ order. Yep. Sec water. So we passed on to them, so moved on. And then, um, luckily, I'm fortunate enough to join um, um, Urban Utilities mm-hmm. 2015, March, um, as a uh, uh, specialist project manager, okay. having the experience of um, having all the, looking at every single infrastructure regarding pipelines and, in, um, and their related infrastructures. Um, um, pump stations, you name it, chemical dosing. So those kind of things. So this was easy for me. And it's I want to explore more and learn more. Mm. So in in these five years, 
I've actually transformed to different roles. Okay. And uh, one of the most interesting roles which is my current role, which is the innovation lead. Okay. So, which I really enjoy a lot. Awesome. So, yeah. Hey, I'm looking forward to talking more about urban utilities and, and what they're doing in this um, in this innovation space because I think it's it's fascinating. I um, you know, up until a few years ago, you'd turn a tap on and water would come out, and you'd think, okay, well that's just normal. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, in a previous role, I did a um, I did an emergency response exercise and activity with Sec Water, and oh. it was around a pandemic, but it wasn't uh, it wasn't a, like a waterborne pandemic. It was actually around a pandemic that meant that staff couldn't come to work and do things, and how would they? Um, how would they then, you know, operate, and how would we get maintenance occurring if if forty percent of the population got sick with this pandemic? Quite interesting. After you know, COVID <laughs> just happened, but I learned from that the water is complex. There's a hell of a lot going on with it. Mm, yeah. um, can you talk to that that complexity? You know, how, how complex is this? You know, really, because I'm sure a lot of our listeners turn on a tap or turn on a shower and it just works, and, mm. and they don't appreciate what goes on in the background. Oh, there's actually, I mean, a hell of a lot of work actually happens. Mm. Um, Sec water is actually the uh, bulk water supply, mm-hmm. and we are the retailers. As you know, we have all five. Uh, we cover really five different councils, regional areas. Um, that includes uh, Brisbane City Council, um, uh, Ipswich City Council, Lockyer, Scenic Rim, and Somerset. Mm-hmm. So all these five regions we cover. We do actually water and sewer, both of them. Oh, okay. Um, the water, um, because if we have, um, so we have the whole infrastructure um, backed up in us. Um, water has a totally different uh, type of game, as you know. Mm. Um, we at least only only very few points we have this chemical dosing. Mainly, it's controlled by the SEC water, okay. but we have pump stations. We have 120 plus reservoirs, and we have um, you know hydrant boosters. Um, we have um, testing points. We have chlorinations testing, and then there's continuous sampling going on to ensure. There's no E. coli or any pathogens present in it, no bacterial activation, so and all these things. And also, we continuously monitor what's in the pipeline. Is there any sediment? Is there any sediments in the uh, reservoir? So we keep cleaning it continuously. The one thing we don't want to get is a complaint, a customer complaint. Mm. So we are very, very much focused on. We can call ourselves actually um, more than um, water provider. We customer-centric. Like everyone is actually, people think, how do you call yourself or your customer-centric? You know, how do you focus on a customer when you're doing an operation? It's a utility. But customer is because it's all about um, the way of life. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, how um, we can actually make sure we provide exactly as you said, 10 on the tap water yeah, without thinking twice. <laughs> and and we are, again, when I started first this conversation, I've talk, I spoke about we are so lucky. Mm. We are actually lucky. Look at this. We take a glass here, yep. and we take it from the tap. It's crystal. I can see it from this side, right? <laughs> and um, you, you can't get this luxury in, in third world countries. Mm. Third world countries, actually, most of the countries in the world, apart from you know UK, Australia, and, and you know a few other countries, Japan mm. and uh, US. Most of the countries, it's hard. People carry water. Most of if you want to get this much clear water you actually need to buy a bottled water, mm. right? So that's, again, a lot of actually things goes on. Yeah. There's a lot of continuous monitoring and then also pipe bursts. You know, again, we need to make sure we fix that burst at minimal disruption to the customers. Yep. And while fixing it, we had to make sure there's nothing, not in one one simplest uh, pathogen or microbial, anything mm. gets into the water. So, because as you know, when a burst happens, it's in the middle of the road. It is. And it's always fun because the exactly. kids run out and they, they love Absolutely, watching yeah. and all the water's flowing down the road. It's both sides. <laughs> yep. But you don't, um, again, sometimes back pressure, you don't want to actually, you want to make sure you go and isolate all the valves and then mm. 
decontaminate and then chlorinate and then make sure you bring it online back. So a lot of, again, there's a, it's a 24-7 operation. Mm. Anything can sleep, but we can't. There's an operation which we have to continue. Mm. And likewise, we need to actually, whenever you flush the water, it actually needs to go out. Yep. The minute you don't flush, you actually call the plumber, right? But this is only the minor household thing we look at. Mm. A lot of major things, every single wet weather even if something happens, I mean, everything comes out. I mean, yep. I have really, really, literally shit blows out. <laughs> so, which is, which is true. Again, um, we don't want that to actually go out into the environment. We don't mm. want that to go into the waterways or beach, but recreational areas. So those kind of things. And I think that, it's a really important intro because I think, um, you know, people take for granted the ability to turn on a tap or jump in a shower. And, you know, after, after spending 15 years in the army, I appreciate having a shower after spending lots of time not having a shower. And um, <laughs> coming from my, my wife's family, um, uh, there's a, a strong lineage of firefighters in that family and the ability for, you know, we're so lucky in this country, the ability for our, you know, fire and emergency services to turn up to an emergency and plug straight into a hydrant and, and all of a sudden we're saving lives. Whereas I'm sure in other countries, things just burn yep. to the ground because you know, it's, just, it's just not available. All it is is fire truck, nothing else. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, Senthal, let, let's talk about your role a little bit. So, you mentioned you're, you're the innovation leader for urban utilities, um, and, and I want to talk about this more because, as I sort of said, I think people look at water and think it just comes out, whereas I, I know all, all the stuff that goes on in the background to make all this happen. So, can you talk to your position and, and what you do and what urban utilities are trying to do? On an everyday basis, we do have, again, the role itself, like the title explains itself, innovation. Um, we face, um, again, we were one of the top 10 innovative companies and um, in Queensland before. Wow. So now we want to get that back. Um, we are actually, I mean, um, we are actually focusing on that. It's not just the title itself, it's about evolving. Um, as we spoke earlier, we, the jobs what we do right now will not even exist in 10 years time. Mm. And in 20 years time, the industry what we work on will totally change because of the AI and um, continuous improvement on technologies and uh, computing, um, all this artificial intelligence and everything comes into place, drones, inspections, mm-hmm. um, you name it. Every, and then um, these uh, mapping tools, everything is actually on its way already. Now we have to arm ourselves and be prepared to accept it. And also um, having in such a customer focus, we have to be uh, making sure we don't actually buy a Rolls Royce. Mm-hmm. Um, because cost comes into place. Um, you wouldn't like an extra $20 on, and a monthly bill, right? Yeah, I'm okay. Yeah, no thanks. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, again, um, there is a fine line. We need technologies, but of course it comes at a cost, mm. but it comes at a cost. That's why we need to always be really careful about who we deal with, how many people, a lot of being a uh, big utility company in, um, in this um, southeast Queensland, we need to ensure that we don't overspend on technology or overcapitalize. Mm. We are so we are really careful and again accepting, um, you know, marketing things. So that's why we look at what our needs are, look at our stakeholders, understand what they need, uh, stakeholders unmet needs. Yep. Um, that's how we start from the ground up, rather than, of course, sometimes we have to know what our neighbors are doing, other utilities and other utilities around the world and around Australia, they are all doing. We have um, certain groups and memberships and communities we deal with. Um, based on that, we can ex- improve our knowledge of what's ha- happening elsewhere. 
but it's up to us to actually observe which one is suited for us at this point in time mm. and there are different uh, we call this TRL technology readiness level yep. so we select in that category as well and of course um, we can't be rude in saying sorry you're not actually developed we can't support uh, startups we do support startups mm. um, so it based on you know that's our overall structure mm. how we run innovation and it's an everyday process um goes through you know you, you learn every day you know a lot of things are happening around we talk to our internal stakeholders internal customers and external customers what actually problems are happening on an everyday basis from water to in, um from including billing systems everything everything is under review every day mm. so we continuously evolve and create ourselves to uh quality of life that's our principal quality of life yeah, yeah cool and, and i think it's um it's really exciting that urban utilities has been one of the top 10 innovative companies in in queensland i don't think people would would necessarily link a, a water company with innovation um so uh, along that thread of thinking can you talk to some of the innovative things that you've done um in, in that in that space um you know maybe some case studies or, or, or sort of some examples you've got there are a few we continuously actually evolve actually um do a lot of innovations one mm-hmm. i can name it let's start with one of them um there are um um on the sewer um sex sewer side um there are uh, big um containers so like silos let's keep it simple language mm-hmm. like massive silos you can actually look at um, steel containers um around uh, 20 meters high okay um so that has to be um checked on an everyday and uh, a yearly basis to ensure that it structurally is actually sound mm-hmm. and um to have an inspection through an in- engineer and uh, to do a thorough inspection we stop the operation and actually bypass um through a bell press and we actually built a internal scaffold all you have is an one small manhole on the bottom mm-hmm. and on the top there is a ventilation hatch as well So we actually put a ventilator on the top and actually people go with mask overalls um and uh, go through this um scaffolding and check and uh, through with two people at a time and they can't be there more than 15 20 minutes at max because of the um environmental humid environment and it's really hot sometimes 50 degrees mm-hmm. so you can't actually physically be there but of course if you had to inspect and ensure this operation yeah. is actually going so to um or repair times to um, to change that whole operations we thought okay why do we need to do that so so let's actually look at different ways and you can't fly a drone as you see it has wings in or it has the um uh, you know the blades and it'll actually yep. touch any of this uh, parts of the um, vessel it'll actually uh, drop you can't continue anymore so for the reason we um explored to option of going to a confined space drone Okay. It's like a ball. It's like a cage. You've seen in Toy Story. Yeah, yep. But with um, sophisticated cameras and um again going back to AI. It has cameras which will actually delete um the moving particle like the dust. Okay. Because um usually there's dust right when you actually go in because of the radars actually um rotating in high speeds, mm-hmm. high velocity. So you you the dust and everything is actually eliminated. You look at the actual structure and corrosion. and the bolts if they lose and uh, what level of material loss we can actually check those things so we totally eliminated the human interference human actually getting in and check it mm-hmm. uh, on a yearly basis as well so that's one of the simplest thing we did again 
this is the basic one we did. Mm. But what a fantastic example where, you know, we talk about um, dull, dirty and dangerous, you know, roles that, that people um, people play in different parts of organisations and we want to we want to use unmanned systems or autonomous systems or whatever the systems are to take that person out of that process. Mm. Um, and so what you've done in this case, I guess if I understand it correctly, is you've effectively taken a person out of having to go into a dull, dirty and dangerous you know, space and, yeah. and we've placed it with a person. Yeah. And I guess um, from a data perspective... You, you, is that giving you more data as well, where you could you could fly the drone, you could get all your data from inside, and then you could fly the drone again six months later inside, and you can overlay that data? Are you use yep. data, you use data in those sort of ways? In another instant, um, we actually do um, reservoir inspections. Reservoirs, mm-hmm. some reservoirs, as you know, the concrete structures, steel structures, they're actually sitting up on the ground, you would have seen in, yep. um, um, when you're going up in the high elevated areas in mm-hmm. the forest or... Um, 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 mountains and something like that. So when you go into that place, so there's, it's hard for anyone to go and look at an external structure of um, a reservoir. You rely on your people standing from the bottom and taking photos and zoom in. But yeah. now, yeah, exactly right. The data is coming to a big time now. Mm. So data is actually king. Data scientists are actually getting really big in, um, you know, demand now. Yeah. So we started, you know, engaging data. So. You, um, on an instance of this reservoir inspection, we actually send the drone. They take a photo and they take actual videos and really um, crisp, clear uh, photos with mm-hmm. high definitions. And you, we also measure the level of cracks, the width of the cracks, the length of the crack. So how is it structurally sound? And then also the corrosions. Is there any holes in the top? So we check at every point. And... In six months time mm. we actually fly again compare that is it expanding then we actually if it is so we are organized for repairs mm. and even for a normal inspection some of the inspections some of the reservoirs we do are monthly some of them even actually on a fortnightly basis mm-hmm. to ensure this this is all comes back to ensuring um, you know the quality of life um, to make sure there's no holes in that, so nothing actually washes and gets into the reservoir. Mm. It gets into the, and then again, they're all directly connected to the customers. So, and I think uh, I think you're right about data. Um, data. I heard a quote uh, a little while ago. Data is the new oil, mm. and I think that's right. From from you know. Um, client data to customer data but right through to your own internal data and how you can use that um as you sort of said 10 years ago this wasn't possible uh, but this this is not only now possible but this is what people should be doing because it's going to make things you know safer and, and better for everybody and mm. exactly right data is um we do use data in, in every single thing we from inspections um and also the entering in billing systems the data is in the quality um quality control and the quality in uh, data in also and people actually go to the site and actually do and repair so we actually compare that so once you start collecting data we starting we are starting to improve ourselves again it's like anyone else you look at the data and say look how long has it taken to um for a dispatch team to go from one location to go and repair that mm-hmm. how do we actually actually minimize that um the time this is again going back to having minimal customer disruption yeah um, so when you do that, you check the data and then see what's the time travel, how long does it take, what type of repair, what type of pressure, even the pressures. That is data everywhere. Every single thing is data now. Which is, <laughs> initially, when it started coming into place, we thought, why is everyone talking about data? It's boring. It's not. Without data, we can't do anything from now on. Mm. So that's data is the king now. And so is there a difference, I guess, between just receiving data but then actually analysing data as well? You know, data in is great, but 
unless you can do something with that data, 100%. it's kind of useless, isn't it? Yeah, 100%. How are you? How are you? Um, how are you working towards that problem? Have you got data analysts that are doing this stuff for you? Absolutely. And, we and have. I guess there's AI coming into this too that will just tell you the the result you're looking for. Hundred percent. So now data without actually doing anything is actually useless. Just numbers or details or photographs. So it's actually not actually useful if it is um, worked on properly. Mm. We have data insights team looks at purely data and a number of, um, you name it, number of bursts happening, number of um, uh, repairs, number of um, inspections. Mm. Everything is data now. Um, so we have data insights team to look into that and provide insight. That's why they call it a data insights team. Mm. And how can we better improve? Where are we doing something wrong? How can we save yeah. the cost? How can we do a better customer service and rich quality of life? So again, we looked at every single thing. That's their everyday job, and then provide us insight to you know um, do things better. So when we're talking about um, new innovative solutions and moving forward and looking to the future, etc., does does urban utilities do it themselves, or or do you also work with clients for that? Do you do your own R and D? How, how does that kind of work? We actually from a process touched, you touched actually everything now. So we have, <laughs> all of the above. Yeah, exactly. Um, we have R and D programs, so a research program with universities. Um, mm-hmm. So. There's around 130 to 150 programs at a time. Wow. Researchers run research programs with universities. So that's a dedicated person actually sitting there doing that because it's lots and lots of work. Because um, as you can see, um, UQ is one of our bigger partners. Yep. And plus other universities across the world as well. And we have international communities. Um, so we actually deal with them. So we have membership with international communities who deal with other utilities, purely utilities, and and tell us okay, exactly what others are doing. When, like previously when we were discussing about how do we actually get a problem solved, um, do you actually get, you asked me like, do you get any uh, marketing people coming and say, look, hey, we have this technology, do you want mm. to actually do that? So we have this machine, we have this uh, AI, we, we have this, all, all these things comes up, all these drones. So now, rather than going that's actually good in one way mm. the other way is actually we collect what our unmet needs are and give it to this international community go and find out from million other people i mean not million sorry um, <laughs> hundreds of companies Lots registered of with them yeah so um when they actually go to them they bring back the valuable resource some of them are uh, genuinely there is no solutions for it mm. yet so they'll say look they're happy to partner with us and um, and I find a solution if we give them a chance. So we actually partner with those kind of people, work on a solution. So R&D actually helps us actually do that. So R&D funds will come in place to do those kind of um, projects, which is new projects. Some of them um, we partner with universities. Some of them mm-hmm. we actually partner with delivery partners mm-hmm. to, um, again, if it's a common problem, um, saying that, look, uh, we have to uh, do um, uh, the hydrant flushes. Mm-hmm. How many times do we flush hydrants to actually ensure that we met, we are a legislative compliance <laughs> is actually met. So, okay. risk, um, uh, so those kind of things. If we actually partner with um, Delhi partners, universities, and international communities, and also uh, new startups sometimes. Okay. And um, f- 
from from supplies coming to you so something i talk a lot about um, on this podcast and i talk to people about more broadly is is building a product that that suits a problem or fits a problem not just building something for the sake of building something not just not just building a solution for the sake of building a solution if if people were going to approach urban utilities or utilities more broadly How's the best way to go about that? Is it about making sure they understand and define the problem they think they're fixing? What sort of pitfalls have you seen in that instance or what advice could you give? Um, the main thing is to understand what what problems we have or what unmet needs we have. Mm-hmm. So rather than actually having a, a normal, um, uh, what is it, a solution which is actually universal and giving and saying, the look, okay, why don't you have this one? <laughs> go and actually you know, try applying it. But again, it's not going to happen. So it's, I shouldn't say it's not going to happen. It will work sometimes. <laughs> um, we have generic things, which is, we are also another business like any other business. We have generic things happening on an everyday basis. But apart from that, so if a company is going to spend time innovating something, mm. uh, specifically for us, it is actually better to understand from us what um, unmet needs we have or what problems we go on in everyday change, what challenges we have mm-hmm. and then actually find the solutions working that's called that's, that is working with us mm. and to understand um, how you know you can help us so that's the way one way of looking at it or if you have established another solution elsewhere with the other utilities or like in elsewhere in the US or UK they're all actually leading pioneers mm-hmm. they actually find out the solutions firsthand or they spend a lot of money um, uh, in the R&D, the government funds. We also have government funds um, you know, and R&D funds. Similarly, it's better to um, look at, that's why we call it as TRL level, technology readiness mm. level. So it's established product. It's actually um, in the commercial markets, really available, and it's a ready solution, and other utilities uses it. So it's easy for us to accommodate that rather than, if it is, um, depends on what time of the year you catch it as well. <laughs> again, it's um, um, again if it's a genuine solution, if we have a genuine problem, we always our CEO always actually support and the R and D mm. team, the executive levels, managers, GMs, they are all very keen on actually getting improving, um, you know, the way we work and everything. So there's no uh, second thoughts. Uh, mm. Of course, and one of the reasons we do think really carefully on. Investing money is it's people's money, so we can't actually uh, spend money just like that. Oh, let's do an innovation. We can't do that. We have yeah. to ensure there is a need for us. And once you do that, we also look at, say, example. There is a tech, um, a tech company which actually has a solution which has, um, which is very um, sounds interesting for us to try. So we trial it. So, but when we trial, we always make sure what is the next step. Mm. Not just a trial and finish up. We, um, I'm talking about bringing to BAU. Mm-hmm. So that is the biggest challenge uh, every industry will have. Try doing a trial is easy, mm. but what's the next step? Mm. Getting the trial into BAU is the biggest challenge. But if we go from the ground up, which I was telling earlier, uh, start from the stakeholders and how much they need that, who is going to be affected if that solution is uh, applied. So start and cover all the bases and... Again, you'll, um, that's the way to actually get into BAU. So mm. that's our main concentration of not only the trials, getting things into BAU. Yeah, and I think, um, I think you've reiterated a point that I keep making around this. You know, we, we need to ensure as, as an industry, and I mean systems industry, autonomous systems, um, robotics, artificial, artificial intelligence, 
that we're, we're, we're building problem-centric solutions, not just solution-centric solutions. We're not building things because we're passionate about it. We, we can be passionate about it, but we've got to have some problem that we're looking at solving at the same time. Yeah. So what um, what's the future? What's the future for, for autonomous systems, for RAS AI, for unmanned systems right. across water? Lots, lots, lots. Again, um, we're... Now, as I said, very simple thing is the inspection of a reservoir, inspection mm. of a pipeline, inspection of a vessel um, um, and silos. Where everything actually goes on, and then also um, underwater. Mm-hmm. So we have we do a lot of underwater inspections, mm. um, inspection in water and sewer, and we have um, uh, drones actually going into sewer lines, okay. checking the integrity of sewer, sewer pipes and breakages and uh, settlements and bellies, all these. Type of um, activities are happening. CCTV we do on an everyday basis for this nine thousand kilometers of sewer pipe we have. It's amazing. So <laughs> there's so many um, uh, in a kilometers. So we had to cover everything. So mm. we check it on an everyday basis. There is program routine program. Um, then again, there is these data actually sit there. Mm. So while we sit the data, so we again there's a massive scope for this um, AI mm. because where we don't want any actually, usually, typically, I mean, uh, I mean, historically, people actually sit and watch the video. There's a person dedicated sitting and watching the sewer mm-hmm. <laughs> lines. Yep. And we don't want to do that anymore. That's why the AI comes into place. You train that system, and the system actually runs itself and finds the defects and codes it. Mm-hmm. So that's where we are right now. So the coding of, coding of defects and everything through an AI. Um, so you train the system, it does it. So like that, everything is at, you're going autonomous. In sense, um, sorry, I shouldn't say autonomous. This um, um, AI is coming into place, and drones are coming into place. Um, oh, there we go. The, the uh, microphone just fell down. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> it's my turn now. <laughs> yeah, that's right. There we go. Yeah, Perfect. Um, yeah, and that doesn't surprise me um, too much at all. I think um, you know times are changing and things are changing, and, and if we can continue to keep taking people um so removing people from a task but not necessarily removing people from the organization too not, not at all mm. so they, like working at heights confined space these are the bigger um these are golden rules right so mm. again driving and uh, so there are that uh, this will actually suit for every uh, utility company and mining mm. companies and bigger uh, who has a geographically actually widespread areas locations to manage um, again, driving, I'll rename it again, driving, confined space, working at height, the three, you cannot actually get away with, but mm. these inspections have to happen, but you still need operators, you need people to actually operate, who's going to actually uh, review these videos, not just an operator can review this video, you need person who knows the asset, and you need the engineers to actually assess the level of repair, mm. and recommendation for repair, so these are all still humans, yep. but one the thing you've removed is the, actually the risk the, the human it, exactly human different mm. you don't want actually human divers going into reservoirs that's still look at these kind of times corona times do you yeah. you wouldn't want a person uh, getting into with their um, you know suit and everything getting into a reservoir drinking portable water mm. you, you you can't do that anymore so of course you know even um, even going back to india mm. even today people actually i've seen it actually when i went there last year um, when someone wants to actually inspect a sewer manhole, a guy just with underwear, with <laughs> nothing, no yeah. apparatus, no mask, nothing gets in sewer manhole, unplugs and goes inside. 
and actually checks it. He just had a goggle, swimming mm-hmm. goggles, just to see inside. And he comes out with just underwear. Yeah. And he just holds his breath, nothing else. Now, this would have happened here, I mean, 50 years ago mm. or so many years ago, right? Mm. But now it doesn't happen anymore. Or even yeah. uh, So that level of improvement, again, these 20 years have changed our life. Mm. Um, and it's going to be changing more faster than ever. And I'm sure you've seen productivity increases in that, um, you know, the last podcast I did with it was a guy named Gavin um, Gillette. He's from Innovation and Future Thinking for Rio Tinto. And, and something that I didn't know was that Rio Tinto has been uh, fatality free for a number of years. Mm. And so they're now, you know, touch wood, um, but now they're actually looking towards injury free, you know, and, and, it's, and a lot of it has been through the introduction of autonomous systems or RAS mm-hmm. AI type systems. So, you know, if we don't have to have people doing dangerous things, then we don't need to have people that are getting injured or, or mm-hmm. you know, worse killed, um, which is going to make it a, a better place, you know, for everybody to work and everyone gets to go home at the end of the day, which yeah. is um, which is a big thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. How's, um, I've got a bit of a random question for you uh, a little bit differently. How's your urban utility gone with COVID? How has that really impacted you guys, I guess? Has there been a significant impact around that sort of stuff? The level of operation hasn't changed um, because, uh, as you know, we it's a 24-7 operation. Mm. Uh, was it increased and, water demand over that period because um, people yes, were at home? It did, or? Yes, it did yeah. increase the water demand. And also we were having monitoring program to ensure um, what is there any COVID actually present mm. in Suba. We did find traces of COVID. Yeah. You would have seen in news and everywhere. Yeah. I don't think anyone understood what it meant. But <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. Um, now, even um, the, again, the operation continued even until today. It's exactly the same as how it was two years ago. Mm-hmm. Again, we actually became more and um, more efficient. So uh, work from home uh, actually came to play. A lot of people mm-hmm. actually started enjoying the family life. Yeah. Um, of course, that's one of the biggest things a lot of people like now. Mm. Again, um, it's the our way of communication changed. Of course, people thought, how can I even do that without uh, meeting people? When it first started, everyone was actually, it, it was a big shock. It is mm. everyone's going through a change in cultural shock of uh, the way we operate and the way we, how we're going to do that. But, um, you know, I have a give a big, you know, you know, hands up to the people, dedicated people who did not take one day off mm. in the control room and the critical workers. Um, so that's one of the biggest, um, you know, high fire I have to give to these yeah. guys, you know, without, look at that how many times. The operation were not actually interrupted. The water was still flowing for people. The sewer was still flowing. Mm. Again, it involves a lot, a lot of work to actually get that happen. Yeah. It doesn't happen. Uh, it's not autonomous, sorry. Yeah, it doesn't <laughs> just happen in the background. No, not, um, and, and I'm sure the fact that we're getting some rain and stuff at the moment is quite good for you guys as well, filling the dams um, up and keeping things happy. Um, again, officially, you know that we are uh, in under drought, right? Mm. So, um, again, you would have seen in TVs and everything, we are officially in drought. But mm. again, sec water it controls all the dams and mm. dam levels. But we would actually say be cautious about where you're using water. You don't okay. need to see the TV and media. Again, one of the, uh, I would actually like to add something. Can I please? Yeah, absolutely. Go for it. <laughs> uh, the, 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 one of the biggest challenges in sewer we have is actually the blockages. Okay. People actually put in numerous amount of things. Mm. You think people actually do, you know, number one and two and the toilet paper. But I'm sure they don't. You yeah. would not believe what we actually see in, um, you know, the sewer system. Mm. And, and most of the time it actually uh, blocks and it actually from crusts. Uh, crust in the sense really strong thick crust actually mm. formation on wet wells okay um so that actually because of the fog we call it fog fat oil and grease these okay. things so why would actually fat oil and grease come into 
when you have you shouldn't be putting anything but mm. of course kitchen stuff right and also um the non flushables that is the biggest biggest enemy for us mm. and we are really struggling and trying harder to actually get um people to realize non flushables not nothing called non flushables just use paper nothing else the mm. toilet paper and it's again it if it increases in the cost for us to maintain people are going to affect it so so people have to be it's an education program we've been actually trying to educate people and then you know media and you name it so and i guess of one of the one of the big ones is is wet wipes and those sort of that's things that's the one they? that's the yeah. thing i was talking about so the wet yep. wipes non flushables yep. so people still use it on an everyday basis mm. just this flush it for kids and things yeah nappies you name it plastics condoms injection mm. syringe earbuds everything comes there yeah. earbuds so <laughs> everything is in there yeah, yeah. i can imagine yeah. um Yeah and that's really interesting and and you know there's a, there's a socially responsible you know part of us that that probably needs to um needs to think about that and go from that yeah. one of the ones that I've read in the past is around um you know even using some of those shower gels that have little micro beads and stuff Correct, in yeah. is is that a big issue that you guys are coming across as well I know we're a little bit away from now that's treatment innovation but <laughs> no no totally right the treatment again mm. uh, we are talking about microplastics mm. so we um it's a global a global issue every single um utility companies and anyone who deals with water sewer they are actually dealing with microplastics microplastics everywhere every even our tissues have microplastics mm. kids baby born babies born right now they have microplastic in them that is actually you know outrageous it's a bit scary um, mm. again but again it is uh, you wouldn't believe that the tap water has the less amount of uh, microplastic than compared to the water water bottle okay. we just discussed a water bottles have 400 times micro um the other day uh, one on one of the meetings we went to is uh war on plastics what's his name again um he actually was showing actually on a power slide he did a presentation for us um so on that it showed the uh, plastic bottled water it has more microplastics 400 times something like that and it's rechecked again than the tap water mm-hmm. we're looking at right now Uh, so again microplastic is everywhere so we are looking at that's the next trend not trend i would say biggest challenge for the global uh, the whole world to address it to find out a solution to remove remove uh, the emerging contaminants and uh, the microplastics those are the two main topics we run in on everyday basis and we're better off having our own drink bottle anyway and filling it up from the tap aren't we than, than buying bottles all the true. time 100% true so yeah i'm a big believer uh, in uh, tap water J- sorry just i'm not marketing here <laughs> here we go <laughs> no 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 um, because i know how clean the water is how yeah. much less microplastic is in the tap water than the um uh, plastic water you drink at mm. you should google it up and find it out i will i'll definitely <laughs> look that up and I'll, i'll put it in i'll put some um, some notes in the show notes for you as well to to put it to no, it thank you hey um since we we might look at um wrapping up there um thanks so much for for coming in today for um for our listeners since on I actually face we're actually face to face in in at the Mirigan offices today which is which is awesome um you know last year we did season uh part of season 1 and season 2 of this and we couldn't do a lot of it face to face because of covid and i think it's um i think it's great that we're getting back face to face with people now and, and saying good day 
Um, so thanks again for coming in today. Um, if, if people wanted to, I guess, reach out or, or find some more information from no you, what, what's the best way, sort of through LinkedIn or, or through... Um, through LinkedIn and yeah. also um, you can call in the customer service. They'll ask them to put it on to myself okay. or the R&D team. So in the Central Kumar, they'll know yep. uh, animation. So it'll directly come to us. So it's easy. And okay. uh, you have my email address. I do. I've got it. <laughs> hey, um, Central, thanks so much. I, I know, um, I do know how busy you are with, with your role and everything else i really appreciate you taking some time out and, uh, and coming to visit us you know we we turn on our, our tap as i've said five or six times that so we just take for granted you know that the Absolutely, water comes yeah. out and, and i think the the examples the, the pointing examples you gave you know particularly around india and other other parts of the world but we've also seen first world countries that don't have fresh water go to certain parts of their of their countries um, absolutely we are so lucky we are all about here and urban utilities enriching quality of life mm. we just keep doing that and again we are lucky here Let's actually continue doing the good work and we'll try to improve our service even more better. And uh, and don't flush things down the toilet, you shouldn't, and, and take your own drink bottle with you. They're the two big takeaways as well. Fantastic. <laughs> thanks, thanks, Central. Thank really you really much. appreciate it, mate. Thank you. Have a nice day. Cheers.